Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let Mom's Green Thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give Mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Roll Football Show. It is Tuesday, February 27th, uh, 27th of 29th in February this uh, this year. Denny, it's what's known as a leap year. Yeah, uh, NPR told me that this morning. The uh, <laughs> 14-minute segment on leap years. Oh, wow, amazing. So there's Denny Carter. Like I said, I'm Pat. Today we'll be talking some of the quotes coming out of the Combine, some of the news coming out of the franchise tag decisions or lack thereof. Basically, no one wants the franchise tag or running back anymore. Um, then we're going to welcome in our friend and colleague, Zach Kruger, to talk to quarterback lay of the land heading into the scouting combine, which is ongoing. Testing doesn't begin until later this week. I might ask him about one running back. And, Danny, one thing about the combine, so everyone knows, basically when you hear NFL scouting combine, you think 40-yard dash time. Right. What a lot of people don't really think about is that everyone is there. So you get a lot of coach and, like, GM comments. It's kind of usually some of the most illuminating ones you'll ever get because yeah. – it's a more loose, relaxed mm-hmm. atmosphere. They haven't just like had their heart ripped out after week 18, you know, where they're like in the most yeah. diplomatic coach speak or it's like numbed, like philosophical, like, I don't know, man, I'm just trying to, I can't even envision tomorrow. <laughs> I'm just trying to get to tomorrow somehow. Yeah. Yeah. They're a little more relaxed by the time the combine rolls by. Sometimes they let a truth mom or two out. You couldn't help but notice yeah. a comment from new Falcons head coach Raheem Morris. about Yeah. His so, yeah, first, you know, Terry Fontenot, the GM of Atlanta, comes out and says, by the way, Kyle Pitts is now healthy for the first time in two years. That's good to know. I wish we would have, would have known that last year. But then uh, Raheem Morris comes out and says, uh, look, I probably wouldn't be the Falcons head coach today if Desmond Ritter had been better last year, if we had better quarterback play in 2023. Uh, which, uh, this guy had been good, like, literally whatsoever, guys. Yeah. I'm still in L.A. Like right, if he's if if Ritter and or Heineke are league average or thereabouts, then no no no, 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 he cuts off the reporter. I didn't say league average. <laughs> I just say like not the worst quarterback you've ever seen. <laughs> then I might still be in L.A. So I, I guess I guess any question about whether the Falcons will give one more shot, ride once more with Desmond Ritter, I guess that's those questions are now answered. They are now answered. I feel like we're getting an unusually high number of blunt comments this off season where the Vikings are just like, yeah, we're going to bring back Kirk Cousins. Right. Uh, the Broncos were like, we're finished with Rob. I don't know. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. It wasn't Kirk. I was thinking of the Broncos. <laughs> Sean Payton's like, yeah, we want to try to trade him. Uh, yeah. No, he's gone. Like, well, he, he said, he said it's going to happen in the next two weeks. He I tried for like two seconds to pretend 
as if like keep up like the smoke screen. And then you said he is the facade. This complete. Yeah, we're, yeah. Yeah, I mean, come on, we're not bringing that that guy back. And and then George Patton, the the GM for Denver, came out on, at the combine and he said, uh, "We have not heard one from one single team interested in Russell Wilson." And so it's, it, I mean, you get a lot, of, like you said, Pat, you get a lot of honesty at the combine, and and so something like that, if it's pre-planned, if it's a statement, if it's a if it's like a presser at Broncos headquarters. That's not said. That's not said. But at the combine, they're like, "Yeah, no, I mean, nobody wants this guy." What are you kidding me? At the combine, they're like, can someone just trade us one Miko Hardman <laughs> for R- R- Russell Wilson, please? We'll take it. We will take Al Lazard. We will take it. Right, a, a it. six rounder in twenty twenty eight. We'll take it. It can be conditional. This, I know. I've heard they're not even going to have the sixth round in twenty twenty eight. We will take it though. Please, God, just send it. And Russ is like, right. By the way, man, Russ, Russ would benefit. Seriously, from ever dropping the shtick. I, I saw the interview. an interview the other day. was oh. like, I want to win two. Talk about Super Bowls in the next five years. He's like, I hope it's in Denver. Like, dude, shut up. Like, we know it's not in Denver. Like, just it's, stop. It's, it's embarrassing. It's it, like it, it actually is just embarrassing. Like, just stop. It's an I mean, ultimate just stop. I, I, I feel like uh, the, that sort of facade may have played well in a previous era. Okay. Yes. Maybe, and I could see maybe in the early two thousands, in the mid to late nineties, that facade. You know, you you could say I, I don't think that fans were so jaded. I don't think fans were so informed. Okay, and 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 therefore cynical. Okay, yeah, so fans weren't taught to hate life yet. Then right, right. With information comes cynicism, comes the hating of life, and and so you so you know we're not we're not up for that now, Russ. So you got please show us your real self. Just once, it would be great. It would be great, but it would be very bad for us because we'd have nothing to talk about in Galveston. No, no, bro. Well, actually, I will say. Let me revise that. Never show us your real self because Pat and I would have nothing to talk about. <laughs> we would have nothing to talk about. So it's totally over for Russell Wilson and Denver. Denny, is it over for Daniel Jones in New York? And it's not over for Daniel Jones on the Giants roster because his twenty twenty four cap number and salary uh, sees to that where it's basically impossible to move this deal. Right. He will be on the roster, but will he be on the starter? Plugged in ESPN Giants reporter Jordan Renan. Mm-hmm. He's been told by multiple sources that if the situation presents itself correctly, the Giants would be open to drafting a quarterback in the first round. And, I mean, people were very quick to crown Daniel Jones after one vaguely good year. Maybe we're very quick to say, oh, yeah, this guy can never start a game again after like five bad starts, it, it just felt like the era ended, did it not? And what do you think he's the giant starter come week one? Yeah. Well, somehow my TV switched from NBC to ESPN this morning. I don't, we're, we're looking into how that happened. Imagine Jordan, thinking that we don't legally, no emphasis <laughs> on legally, have your TV being monitored with a tracking device <laughs> and know what stations you're watching. You're not Please. watching USA Network. Curious. Not watching Law and Order, huh? Curious. No, I, it, it went off the golf channel for the first time in 19 months. I don't know. <laughs> that actually that was not happened. Yes. Uh, so, uh, yeah, and Jordan Renan was on ESPN saying that the even though the Giants paid Daniel Jones after that one good year, really one good playoff game, that's really what it came down to. Um, they they built the contract in a way that they can pull the ripcord after two years and not and not suffer. Tell you what, I would have done it after one. Would have built it so the ripcord could be pulled. After it probably one. probably couldn't get away with that uh, in in the in the quarterback market as it is today. But uh, yeah, so. You know, considering that, I I think you know, uh, Dable and company, Joe Schoen, the GM. I think that 
this is this could be their opportunity to save face, you know, to 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 draft a quarterback uh, who could take over for Daniel Jones either this year or next year, or whatever, and to possibly continue this thing into 2025. Because right now, I would say it's a uh, it's a long shot for Dable to get through this season into the next into the next season. If if this all depends, if this all falls on Daniel Jones as the quarterback. That's the really bad news for Daniel Jones is that this has become like a coaching and GMing for their job season for Joe Shane, however you pronounce his last name, and yeah, Brian Dable, uh, where it might seem overly desperate to just move on from Daniel Jones this quickly. But I mean, the jobs are just quite clearly on, especially Bill Belichick out there on the open market. He's been connected to the Giants' job for like 15 years. <laughs> Uh, like maybe mm-hmm. the Giants will trade for Bill. Bell. It was one of those weird, persistent rumors. Like he's still, he's still a giant at heart, and they have to have immediate success in 2024. And I think that's what really, really, really hurts Daniel Jones. And maybe the best case outcome for everyone would be he rebounds a little from last year. He does open the air starter, but there's a first round quarterback. There's like a number 37 overall early second round quarterback. It's like an Alex Smith situation where he starts. And like he kind of like rehabs his value a little bit, mm-hmm. um, but it sort of seems like one way or another, twenty twenty four is Daniel Jones's last season. I I can't imagine that it's not. I mean, and he'll be in the league for a long time, uh, and he might even be a starter somewhere for a quarterback desperate team. Um, but it's not. It, it if this current regime wants to keep their jobs, which I would suspect they do, they they got to take. We a love shot. our jobs. We love. We don't. We love them. Don't we love them? <laughs> We're bringing back the jobs, uh, and they and they want, and they want, and 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 so they they got they have to do something. They have they have to bring in someone who can uh, steady the ship or something. Maybe win a few games. Maybe make of something of a postseason run. I mean, obviously, this team is not a Super Bowl contender. Nothing close to it. Okay, uh, and Giants fans are in hell because of it. You know, this was supposed to be different. It's not different. Um, but Daniel Jones is uh, is not the answer. He's not the answer. And just we saw last year, the, the bit I've now driven into the ground, we're like, surely this quarterback, we start this week, yeah. randomly start this week, will not instantly be better than Daniel Jones. Yeah. And not only is he instantly better, like his agent is somehow a meme. <laughs> like, like, not only is he slightly better than Daniel Jones, yeah. but now his agent is famous. That's but now, his, now his agent is more famous than Daniel Jones. Yes. <laughs> That's, That's how the year went. For Daniel Jones, as your brother, producer Adam says, Joe Shane is now his name is pronounced Joe Shane, is what the Giants say. Uh, other people say show in. It's one of those last names people will never agree on. Kind of like my last name, even though I don't know how many times I need to say it, it's Darty. It's real easy, too. I mean, just look at it, it's a very sensible pronunciation. Do the, I say it wrong? Uh, I don't think you do. I think you do say it right. Darty. A lot of other people don't. Uh, anyways, we're moving on. We're sort of moving on. So we're kind of remaining with the Giants. Where it doesn't seem like Saquon Barkley would be franchise tagged. Does not seem like Josh Jacobs would be franchise tagged in Las Vegas. Just off the top of your head, or maybe with a little research, who would you rather have? And I think, do you think Saquon Barkley and Josh Jacobs would both get more money than Derrick Henry, by the way? Uh, who would you rather have, though, of these free agent backs, Saquon Barkley or Josh Jacobs? It's a, it's a good. I I would go with Saquon. Um, I, you know, just it's close. It's close, but. Uh, I don't. I, I, it's hard to tell where the ineptitude of the Vegas offense ends and Josh Jacobs begins. But whoo boy, those numbers last year, those metrics were not good for Josh Jacobs. And uh, 
Saquon, I think, showed signs of life. I, I mean, he's he's twenty. I think going into his age twenty seven season, so not exactly a spring chicken for the analytics. But I I I would lean Barkley because he's he's always been better as a pass catcher than than well, Jacobs. He's been less explosive the past few years. Though yeah, not that Jacobs yeah. is an explosive pass catcher. That's where I kind of get troubled by Saquon. I feel like he's not really making big plays anymore. He's occasionally in the running game, but it's not in the passing game at all. And yeah, his explosive run rate has fallen, and and his you know yards after contact per rush. They all that that stuff that stuff has fallen off a cliff. Yeah, I mean that I, I don't think he's ever going to get back to that. I do think that Jacobs is probably more environment dependent, and so if you put Jacobs look, if you put Jacobs in Dallas, I'm all in. I'm all in. Josh Jacobs in Dallas. Okay. That he's going bananas in that offense. But if you if you put Saquon on like a, like a, a mediocre team or even a bad team, I think that he can still sort of get there statistically. I'm not sure about Jacobs. Jacobs, he's a little younger. He's definitely more durable. Uh, you know, at a really tough position where everyone's going to miss games. Josh Jacobs did miss some games last year, but I, I would say he's more durable than Saquon Barkley. There's a big enough body of proof for that claim at this point. And I just trust him a little more on all three downs. Yeah. And I do. It seems like Saquon like always needs to be coming off the field. Like, like, wow, they really working to get Matt Breida out there, huh? And yeah. That, but I don't know, but I feel like that was the, the giants just being out on Barkley last year. Just being, it's been going on for several years. He needs to be spelled kind of a lot for, for a supposed three down back. I feel like mm-hmm. Saquon gets spelled a lot. I mean, like, neither Josh Jacobs guys. like, like, man, you put me in the game, like, I'm not coming out. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, Jacobs has unbelievable dog levels. Let's just <laughs> say that, okay? Like, and that's why he fits with the Raiders. That's why he fits really well with the Raiders. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised. The Raiders, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm going to desperately try to not make a judgment here. But I'm going to say that the Raiders are the kind of team that loves their guys. They want to get their guys. Okay? They love their dog levels, too. They, they love dogs. They love establishing it. They love playing old school football. I could see them outbidding themselves and paying Josh Jacobs way more than anybody else would pay as, as a sort of thank you. And that, Hey, you know what, for running back, it, that's good. That's good. We'd like to see that because running back, the running back market is apocalyptic right now. In fact, I think, I think Barkley could have, could have to just settle for like a massively in, incentive laden contract with somebody. I totally agree on Barkley and Jacobs. I totally agree on too. I almost see no way he doesn't return to the Raiders where they're either going to have a really cheap quarterback or like a rookie contract quarterback. I think they're going to be the kind of team that can afford to quote waste money yeah. on a running back. They love his leadership. Like they cannot stop talking about his leadership. Um, like that stuff so, matters for the, for some it teams. Does. You and know, the, not for every team, but for some teams. The dog levels. By the remember when we were, we were I think you were in the Mandalay Bay lobby with me where Antonio Pierce walked through. Oh yeah, like, just the guy. He this exuded dog level. Like just walking by me by like an elevator bank. It's like wow. Yeah. Uh, right i i it's, yeah it's frightening let's just be honest <laughs> it's just terrifying i was i was scared <laughs> too, too low testosterone individual we started crying and mandalay Bay security said are you staying here if not can you leave right <laughs> you're us. embarrassing the coach yeah you're, well, you're embarrassing everyone to be <laughs> but uh, probably shouldn't cry the next time we see antonio pierce yeah I, I i'm gonna try my Try my best not to shed. Actually, NBC is actually. We got a letter about that too. Um, <laughs> you didn't technically violate any company policies, but uh, it's very bad for the brand when you cry in front of. I do. I do want to mention if we're done with this little rant. Yeah. Uh, um, that that Saquon's uh, breakaway rates per Pro Football Focus actually did bounce back after dropping off the face of the earth in 2022. 
2023, he was eighth uh, out of 50 qualifying running backs in breakaway rate, um, which means that uh, um, percentage of, uh, of yardage on big plays, um, so 15 yards or more. And uh, Jacobs was 39th out of 50 uh, in that category. Jacobs, I'm just going to go full narrative street and say it's because he reported late. And his yeah, sure. classic never got his momentum. It is almost uncanny, though. Those running backs who report late, not only do they have a down year the year they report late, they're never the same somehow, like ever. Has there ever been a running back who reported late and then ever became the same again? It's, it's a sensitive it's, position. And, it's really and weird. We, but we always try to pretend like it, that doesn't matter, that reporting late. We have, to, we have to make it matter. You and me, we have to band together and force the fantasy football community to recognize that when a running back holds out, it's not good. It's yeah, I don't, I don't get it. It doesn't really make much sense, but like almost without fail, like they're like never the same. I mean, I'm sticking by skipping an entire season like Le'Veon Bell. That's a little different, but okay. like, might might be more. I might be heavily biased by that. Oh man, but, uh, how did we? How oh man, I I got tricked into that too. How did we? How did anybody go in on Bell after that? There's no reason to do that. No reason to do that. No reason to not take a short break. We'll be right back after this. Spring training is here, so for those looking to get ahead on the upcoming MLB season, grab your Roto World Baseball Draft Guide that's loaded with comprehensive positional rankings, projections, and player profiles to ensure your draft is a success. Visit NBCSports.com slash draft guide and use promo code BASEBALL24 to get 10% off at checkout. And don't forget, find all your favorite NBC Sports shows on Amazon Music. Just head to Amazon.com slash NBC Sports. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Denny, I almost said success normally. Like almost. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> almost. It, you still didn't, but you were close. I did, I did not. There was a, still a little hitch. Uh, I almost said it normally. What you're like it? you're like a baseball player with a yips, like right. a second baseman who can't throw it to first. And I'll have success saying success on next week's oh, show. That Maybe was good. I can do it because now there's no pressure. Uh, now I can say success normally like any normal person like you or I. I can walk down the street and just say success. But uh, when it's, it's a privilege to be able to say it normally. When the bright promo lights are on, though, <laughs> the it. lights are too bright. The light, they're too bright. They're too bright. <laughs> um, anyways, uh, the lights were too bright for Austin Eckler last year. Am I right, folks? Oh. Uh, come on. Anywhere you actually want Austin Eckler to go. Apparently, he was never healthy last year. Hurt, hurt was like week one with his ankle. And as we know, that that does catastrophically linger when you have a high ankle sprain. Talk about some people who are never the same. Like when you suffer a high ankle sprain, like that season is just over. Even if you come back, like you're never as effective as you were before the ankle sprain. <laughs> He's as good as gone from Los Angeles. You know, he's nearing 30, coming off the worst season of his career since he became like a known fantasy entity. You, is there anywhere in particular, though, you think might revive Austin Eckler for fantasy purposes? I, I, I do think that he needs to kind of switch roles to like purely a pass catching role with maybe a little bit of rushing mixed in, but he, yeah. he still last year, he still was an okay pass catcher. I mean, his, his, you know, targets per route run dropped off a lot, 
I, I, you know, again, though, like you're catching passes from Easton Stick for half the season. Like that's that's yeah, half the season's an exaggeration. Yeah, five like, eight, five games, five games. There's seventeen of them. Oh, I, I can't do the math there. What First off, what is half of seventeen? Can we? Is it eight or nine? Can we decide? It's eight, it's eight and a half. I'm saying like it's so that's so annoying with the the odd number schedule like we used to be a country we used to have an exact half of games. we used to we yeah no I have no idea where midseason is I like just, how, I just, how does like any like how does Pro Football Reference decide like first half or second half splits? yeah I I I, I just I, when I in writing for for Roto World I just start saying midseason around week eight I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, it goes. But yeah, so I, I, you know, Houston is is one is one landing spot I think for Eckler. I, I'm gonna, you know, Dallas for everybody. Just just whoever. What about the Chiefs? There's been some Dallas smoke with the Chiefs. Good. Uh, yeah, right. That that's a good one because he could take on that like McKinnon role. Of course, that would torpedo uh, Pacheco. Would it truly torpedo him? You think? Yeah, it would. <laughs> it would make him completely touchdown. Well, it pass. would because well, and unlike Jarek McKinnon, Austin Eckler would maybe actually get some goal line carries too. That would be very, very bad. Well, I mean, the the main the difference with Pacheco this past year was that he actually got some routes and actually got some targets, and that's what he was not getting the year before. So yeah, you take that away from him, and uh, you're in a world of hurt. You better be, get ready to. Get ready to speak goal line, buddy, because uh, that's 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 all that's all you're getting in that offense. I'm looking through the teams, and for some reason, I don't want this. I just got the idea, man. The New York Jets are for some reason going to sign Austin Eckler, mm. and it just it struck me as a very Jets signing. I have no idea why. Yeah, the Jets are gonna the Jets are gonna make some catastrophic signing. This, <laughs> I mean, the, maybe the Ravens could if they don't sign the big dog. Um, if they don't get Josh Jacobs, I thought about Josh Jacobs would be a big help. For the Ravens, I'm yeah, looking through these teams. Yeah. Cincinnati, if Joe Mixon is the, the fifth time it counts, Joe Mixon actually gets cut. That'd be um, interesting. That'd be interesting love, Cincinnati that. throws the running back more than like any team they, in the history of the NFL. Right, and and it, uh, I guess I guess Eckler would be better there than than Mixon. But uh, you know the the injury thing. It's I think it just comes with the territory as a thirty year old running back. You know, like that's. That's not going to end. Like he's he's not going to have a healthy season anytime soon or ever. No, he's not. So we'll see what happens to Austin Eckler. Um, one of the reasons we think he's gone from Los Angeles is they're totally revamping this running game. Mm-hmm. No surprise to anyone. The second they hired Jim Harbaugh when he was coming, the second he went back to the Greg Roman, well, we really knew it was coming. Uh, Greg Roman's introductory press conference last week, I mean, he, he didn't try to hide it. There was no like, – Couching, you know, like we've changed. We're going to try to like throw like, no. no, it's about power. It's about balance. He said it's about having a strong, powerful identity. Emphasized balance. They're going to have an actual running game. Uh, to be fair, something they have needed. I-, I thought this has been a horrible, horrible, like, approach by the Chargers to never have a real, like, maybe instead of Isaiah Spiller, Larry Roundtree, Josh Kelly, you should have anyone who can mm-hmm. ever gain a, a conventional rushing yard. Like, did you ever think of that, that that might be important? <laughs> that in an NFL game, you might need to occasionally gain a conventional rushing yard. I mean, that, that does help, I will say. And so, I don't know. Well, I don't know where I'm going. Well, look, this is what they're going to do, okay? Greg Roman and, and John Harbaugh are – Jim Harbaugh, sorry. are uh, They're going to establish it. When any when any coach says balanced, you know what they mean. Okay? Oh, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. They don't mean that's, balanced. That's code word for <laughs> we're never going to pass the ball. Okay. Um, and you know, uh, 
So I, I think they're probably going to draft a running back. They're they're going to draft at least one offensive lineman probably in the first round. And they're going to try to do this old school and the way that they succeeded uh, in, in San Francisco, you know, and, and, uh, and I, I think they're going to try to repeat that formula. We, we talked last month on a couple shows about how Jim Harbaugh has been run heavy at every single stop in his coaching career. That's not going to change. That's not going to change here. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm going to be extremely interested, as is everybody, uh, in whoever they draft at running back uh, in, in this upcoming draft. You said in San Francisco. What about in Ann Arbor? Where Denny, I was told the University of Washington had three NFL quality receivers, and yet all I see is Michigan running the ball uh, at will and winning the national title game. Um, so where's your God? Right. I mean, yeah, I'm triggered. It took uh, you know Jim Harbaugh exists to to make me upset about about how he he operates a football team, and he's going to continue that in L.A. somehow. In LA. I just I just wonder if it could actually be the greatest thing that's ever happened to Justin Herbert. And he gets on like the Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, like efficiency peak. They're very fantasy peak. You know, Russ and Aaron were both elite, elite fantasy quarterbacks. And it was like on league average volume. And I just wonder if it could actually be amazing for Justin. As you, as you and Kyle know, I'm suddenly going all old school running. Um, this yeah, off season. Know, but really like it's been me. such empty calorie passing from Justin yeah, Herbert. Yeah, yeah. And if he could get more efficient it could be actually a very good thing for him in fantasy. Yeah. I, yes, I see what you're saying. I mean, you know, Russell Wilson did it on w- well below league average passing volume. Uh, and I think that Herbert and his athleticism offers something there too. Maybe they use that a little more. Um, I still have this, I don't know, man, I still have a lingering suspicion that uh, the hardball regime is not totally sold on, on Herbert. I, I don't care what they say. I I actually agree. I think in their perfect world they would maybe do it, but he's just he's too valuable, and he's too so valuable. He, I, I think even like Jim Harbaugh is going to be able to figure out a way to work with this guy. And two, he's like the ultimate. Like he's a coach's player. He's very tough. He's not a complainer. He's played through a lot of injuries. Justin Herbert. I think Harbaugh probably loves Justin Herbert, mm-hmm. and even if he doesn't love passing. I think he's going to find a way to make it work. I daydream about the haul that they could get for Justin Herbert. It would be quite the haul. I mean, you're talking about two, possibly three first rounders. You get three first rounders easily for Justin. You honest, legitimately, you might get four. Like, <laughs> I'm serious. I'm not trying to make it a bit like I don't know if a player as valuable as Justin Herbert has ever been traded. Deshaun Watson is the only analog, and it was after he sat out an entire year yeah. for bad off the field issues, and he got mm-hmm. three first rounders. So I, I think Justin Herbert can maybe get RG three sight unseen. Got three first rounders. Good grief! I think yeah. that Justin Herbert can maybe get four. I forgot about that with RG three. Yeah. Oh man, you're right. Oh, J- come on, Harbaugh. You know you want to do it. You, you know you got to do it to him, Jim. <laughs> we got to welcome in Zach Kruger in just a second to talk the combine. But real quick, you wanted to comment on Cliff Kingsbury saying the air raid is dead in our nation. Yeah. So he was like a, a little bit annoyed that the Washington Post asked, "Are you going to do the air raid in Washington?" He said, "Well, no." We're going to do right. And, and, and getting back to this comment, he really did. He said, we're going to be balanced. Okay. No, so, I, I, yeah. So I guess that means massively run heavy. Usually that's what that means. Uh, the, someone else in the Washington organization said, uh, calling it the air raid is incredibly reductive of cliff. Uh, so they, everybody's very up in arms about even using the term air raid. 
Right. Uh, so I guess we, we shouldn't be using that. It hurts the commander's feelings. Uh, the DC press corps has gone woke. Yeah. And, and, and so, you know, some of the hires that they've made on offense, including the offensive line coach, uh, they, they have experience working with mobile quarterbacks. I, I think they're going to end up with a guy with a, with a dual threat quarterback, uh, one way or another, it's not going to be Sam Howell, even though Sam Howell does have some, some mobility to him. I, I think a, a true dual threat, uh, quarterback, and I think that's that's what they're going for here. And if that's the case, then it's it's horrific. It's horrific for Terry McLaurin, for uh, for Jahan Dotson, for every every pass catcher in this offense. Like that that's that's a death knell uh, statistically for those guys. It, yeah, it is, and we can't. We've been talking about Washington so long. We have to know who the quarterback's going to be. We have a good idea right. of who well, it might be. It's probably going to be one of the players we're about to talk about right now. Yeah. with Mr. Zach Kruger. And we weren't trying to to trigger Zach by doing the commander's talk before he got on. He had to watch yeah. more commander's football than anyone else in the United States last year. We're still working <laughs> on that lawsuit. Still yes. working on that lawsuit. We, we, cruel, unusual punishment, Pat, is a is a, is a thing, and uh, it's not allowed. So we're, we're, we're working on uh, maybe getting that taken care of. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. But Zach is here. He's the backbone of Roto World Blurbing. Um, he's doing... So many great articles this off season. Uh, he's just doing always amazing stuff over at rotorworld.com and mm-hmm. at ZK underscore FFB on Twitter. X mm-hmm. as Denny insists on calling it. That's what it's um, called. That's what the website's so, called. We can't, wow. we can't do that. <laughs> um, so he's here to talk about the combine with a focus on running backs, or excuse me, on quarterbacks. He has an article up on quarterbacks and tight ends and a, a, a two-part series then that focuses on running backs and wide receivers, just kind of setting the lay of the land for them heading into the, the combine. And Zach, you correctly point out in your article that Caleb Williams would have had more to lose than gain at this year's combine. He's not going to test. He's not working out. Uh, but what could – so if something could have gone wrong for Caleb Williams at the combine, presumably then something could go wrong for him in draft season. What do you think could go wrong for Caleb Williams in the run-up to the draft? Someone who seems to be you know, the runaway favorite still for the number one overall pick. Yeah, yeah. So uh, this isn't even an answer that I like throwing out there just because I feel like we should be looking at, you know, something else as far as like the numbers go and the stats and all that stuff. And we can look at those and and I'm sure we can poke holes if we try hard enough. But the one thing that keeps coming back to me and then I think even some conversations I've had with other people, like could there actually be legitimate concern that like Caleb Williams just doesn't wow enough in the interview process with presumably the bears or another team. And he happens to slide to that number two or number three pick. I mean, I can't imagine him sliding past uh, two, but, but some of the interview stuff, there's, there's a lot of, you know, people question, and this is not me, you know, this is what we hear online, but people question, you know, the, the whole toughness thing with, you know, he cried after a game. Uh, people don't like him painting his nails, really just kind of superficial stuff that I, we know, impacts draft stock and draft status at a, at a level that sometimes just seems well, yeah, not not kind of superficial it's totally superficial yeah yeah yeah, yeah completely superficial it, it impacts draft st- status and 
uh, and and that can you know push a player down. Uh, we we certainly had concerns about that last year with CJ Stroud Stroud and that that test that he took or whatever it was was it with the S two. Um, yeah. So so I I think that it's going to be something along the lines of interviewing. There was actually a quote from Bears GM Ryan Poles recently. He said. Um, it, it's not just the film. I need to know the person when talking about who he selects the number one overall pick. And then offensive coordinator Shane Waldron also kind of you know, basically echoed polls. Uh, similarly, quote, saying the tape is obviously there in terms of the player, but what is the person like? Um, th- those to me just kind of Yikes. scream, like, are we going to like Caleb Williams? And and uh, the, the numbers and the resume are certainly there as they point out but i really think that if he has anything to lose it's in the interview room and that that's not a fun answer but that's just kind of where i think it is at this point because the talent itself is hard to deny and as opaque as those comments might have sounded it's actually pretty straightforward from a, like a coach or gm uh, like about as straightforward as they get like yeah hey, we don't know if we'll like the guy and <laughs> i had not heard that comment actually i do agree denny that probably a bad draft season for caleb williams equals him falling to number two there's nothing that can knock this man out of the top two picks is there no i i can't imagine that uh either chicago or washington wouldn't just go in on uh caleb Williams, especially washington if if he fell to two i think that they'd be happy to take him with cliff kingsbury uh as as the offensive uh coordinator i know that there was some some questions zach about um uh, Caleb Williams' ability to avoid sacks. Um, that's something that we talked about a lot over the past few mm-hmm. years in the draft process. Uh, and his, um, I don't know, his kind of sometimes wild play, outside the pocket play. Uh, is that? Do you think there are any concerns about how that translates, how that could translate to the NFL? So so his pressure to sack rate, which is, a, the, I think, the number that you're essentially referencing on pro football focus, uh, for his final season was 23.2%. The previous two years, it was both below 20%. Uh, he actually had a low of 16% pressure to sack rate last what year. What did that rank last year? I don't have the rankings in front of me, but a, a 16% rate would essentially be very good. I know Mahomes was like a God-level status at that in both the college and pro levels, and I think his career college pressure sack rate in college was like 11%, which is just insane. So 16% would still be very good um, for just a single season mm-hmm. out of Williams. Um, and, and we know he can avoid sacks. He had 35 of them last year, 23.2% pressure sack rate. That's that's definitely concerning. But sometimes I do wonder like, if, if, if there's players where it's just – they're aware of the talent that they have to avoid sacks when they can. And if they just don't sometimes get too careless trying to do more than what they need to with, with the football. And, and that could possibly be something that, that, you know, even Williams is going to have to kind of maybe speak to a little bit again in the draft room. It's not like he's going to be running simulated games at his pro day now or anything like that. Like coaches could have questions about, you know, what, what led to you taking more sacks the previous season. we see a lot of off script stuff. What's going on with that? How, you know, how, how do you, you know, view the way you play out of script compared to in script and stuff like that. So I, th- I think those could be, you know, certainly concerns as well. But again, that's stuff that's also, I think, going to get more hashed out in the interview process and teams watching film and, and tape than, it, than it's going to be, you know, him throwing uh, deep passes to receivers who he's never met prior to the, the, the combine. So, um, you know, the pressure and the sack thing, I think, is a concern. But I'm hoping that the 19.4% pressure sack rate for his career, which is still – high but generally if you can keep it under 20 percent there's a lot of 
um, good names throughout the last uh, several draft classes who've added a pressure sack rate below that amount who have turned in productive careers. So the, the optics, I think, are still pretty good for Williams overall. Um, but, but the inflated numbers this final season are undoubtedly a little bit of a concern, at least. Right. I still feel like with those kind of strange comments from the Bears brass, like, oh, we we'll have to see if we like the kid. And the yeah. commanders very mysteriously, like, one-upping the Raiders for Cliff Kingsbury. I do wonder if we are going to get, like, a major, major draft season switcheroo, and he does go number two, even though every sign suggests he is going number one. I mean, the Bears could extort the commanders to trade up, too. Yes, exactly. Uh, they they yeah. could very much extort the commanders to trade up even one spot. They could maybe get two first-rounders to make them trade up one spot. That's that's more – I think that's more likely than, you know, than the, the former scenario that you mentioned. Um, because I, I think the bears can pretend they're taking Caleb Williams all the way up to draft day and, you know, not, not give any inclination that they might uh, take may or someone else. Uh, and so Washington, if they want their guy and Caleb, they're going to have to pay the price. And I think, you know, this new ownership group, you know, the new staff, like they're, and this is the, look, this is the Washington way you, you, you sell, you sell out. To, to win nine games, you know, and that, and that's what they're trying to do. They were not desperate for precisely one off season. And then they got <laughs> desperate immediately. Yeah. You, you know, Magic Johnson is dying for a very bland on the night of draft. We are so happy to add Caleb Williams from the <laughs> university of South <laughs> Carolina tweet. To, <laughs> you know, he, you know, he's ready to fire or, South, or Southern California. You know, he's uh, I thought you were making a good off. magic joke there. But yeah. No, but, no, I, it, it almost landed. I'm what, one of those magic Johnson AI generated posts. Yes. yes. Uh, they all are. Working with Jim and I since before it existed. Um, Zach, one of the most controversial players of draft season is of course, JJ McCarthy. It comes from the ground and pound Michigan Wolverines offense. He was never allowed to throw in any of the biggest games played in the college football season last year. I watched Ohio state, watched Alabama, I watched Washington, and I think I saw him throw nine total passes. And uh, what does a good combine look like for Mr. J.J. McCarthy in Indianapolis this week? So there's a lot of ways we can kind of tackle this. Uh, For starters, I would just say a good combine is if he could test uh, just slightly above what people are expecting from him athletically, I think that will only add to um, his overall stock, which already appears to be on the rise. I was actually listening to a podcast the other day, Thor Nystrom. Uh, we obviously know him here. He used to be with us at NBC, big college football guy, um, which I'm probably underselling Thor's love for college football by saying that. But uh, big college football guy, Thor Nystrom, he did point out on a play that he had seen in particular from earlier in the season where uh, – Blake Quorum, who we'll also talk about in a little bit, was breaking down the right sideline on a long run. And of all the players who ended up coming from behind to catch Quorum and then throw a block, it was J.J. McCarthy, who was just absolutely booking it down the field, outrunning defenders in a full sprint. And, and Thor had even kind of quipped, like, you know, it's possible McCarthy tests faster than uh, Blake Quorum. So if, if that were to happen, I think just seeing uh, a little bit faster of a 40 time than what maybe some are expecting from him, I think that would certainly boost the stats, especially in an era where we see a lot more mobile quarterbacks kind of thriving in NFL offenses these days. Uh, not that it has to be their number one trait, but certainly if it's a strong number two trait, uh, teams and GMs seem to like that. And then on top of that, I think McCarthy is really just going to need to nail the throwing drills because there's just so much narrative about like what you just said. Doesn't throw a lot, didn't throw a lot in Michigan. Michigan, I think I, when I was writing my article, never had a, pat or a rush rate below 58% and either of McCarthy's three seasons, which is just it's an insanely high rush rate. Mind-boggling. Um, 
one might yeah, say. Yeah, mind, mind-boggling high. Um, and, and as a result, you get McCarthy's three-year line of 713 attempts, uh, just over 6,200 pass yards, 49 touchdowns to 11 interceptions. Does have a career 9.4 yards per attempt. That's obviously pretty solid. But I think that to really just have a conversation about J.J. McCarthy, it's, it's got to move beyond the raw counting numbers, which if you stack against a lot of prospects in this class are going to come in very low compared to – the guys like Caleb Williams, uh, even Drake Mays, a two-year starter, uh, Spencer Rattler, who's who's been in college for twelve years, guys like that. You know, they're going to have a lot of uh, a, a, a lot of inflated numbers. But when it comes to McCarthy, um, I, part of what I do in my free time is I, I find pro JJ McCarthy numbers and I text them to Denny to send them. Yeah, out. yeah, so, I really appreciated uh, that. It's, <laughs> it has actually changed my mind. I had some questions for you in a second, but. I, yeah, you you have uh, brainwashed me on the McCarthy. But Denny, what are your questions on McCarthy? Because you've been yeah. way too McCarthy curious. If right. You ask me. right. So I started by I started with by being you know JJ McCarthy Lowell. Okay, like uh, which I was too be. actually. I was right. too. No, no, no. Like, Lowell, LOL, ROFL, maybe. Yeah, LMAO even. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. you know, sorry oh, to the kids, well. but uh, it's true. And and I and I you know just thought well they they didn't let him throw. It's got to be bad. Um, Zach has, you know, pointed me in the direction, has made me see the light that maybe the five-star recruit at a high school is not actually bad. Um, and uh, and well, I did. What I, did he ever do in college? They I did have. A, they didn't win anything with him. <laughs> I did have a question though uh, about. I'm getting back to this stat that I'm now obsessed with, which is percentage of pressures turned into sacks. PS two. Okay. Oh, yeah. P two S. Sorry. P two S. And McCarthy was bad. He was bad in that category. Um, 41st out of 50 qualifying quarterbacks in in that category in 2023. Guys like Michael Penix and Bo Nix were in the top 10. Uh, I I just ha- I have some questions about like whether McCarthy. You know, he is athletic. Obviously, I think he's I think he's going to test well. I think he could test off the charts quarterback wise at this combine and really turn some heads. Uh, but is, is, is that, is that a worry at all? I know that you had some numbers Zach, about how McCarthy handled pressure at Michigan. Maybe that mm-hmm. dispels my concerns here. Yeah. So it's funny you mentioned that because his 14.3% pressure sack rate is actually very good. Um, okay. amongst classes, I, I had put together a list of these prospects a while back, dating back to 2015 and a pressure sack rate of 14.3% for his career is very high for McCarthy. I, I do see where it was 16.8 for him last uh, season. That's obviously, again, another player who saw it jump from the previous year when it was 10.8%. But the fact that it's, I mean, 14.3% for pressure sack for a career is certainly, like, like to me, that's very good compared to a lot of the, the players I have, uh, you know, yeah. in this little pressure sack database I put together earlier this past year. So the, the career college number for pressure sack is very strong. Uh, for McCarthy, we know that that can translate for a lot of players. So it does. I, and I, I, just real quick, Zach, I just yeah. want to interject because because this is nerdy stuff. Okay, real nerdy stuff. So so this stat, folks, uh, is is indicative of a quarterback who can overcome pressure and still make plays and still keep the ball moving and still keep the offense moving on time. Patrick Mahomes off the charts in this uh, category. Joe Burrow, very good. Anthony Richardson out of this universe in that in that category is part of the reason I think he went he went so high. Uh, triggering Pat, but uh, it, it is uh, it is something to look at when and and especially when we're evaluating incoming rookies. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, no, no. You're you're fine. So you're you're right. It is of of the pressure sack database that I have from draft class since 2015. Amongst 115 quarterbacks, his career 14.3 percent 
ranked uh, 26th amongst that group. So that, that's pretty good. Um, we have another guy who is actually, unfortunately, very bad at it, who we'll talk about later on. But some of the other passing pressure numbers that I had sent you earlier, um, I, I look back at the last three draft classes just to look at something like pressure completion percentage. J.J. McCarthy of a group of 44, quarter, uh, yeah, 44 quarterbacks have in this class had a pressure completion percentage of 52.8%. That is actually first among the 44 quarterbacks I'm looking at in this particular spreadsheet. And of those quarterbacks, he is one of only three quarterbacks who had a completion percent over 50% when pressured for his college career. Um, even his, uh, his PFF grade when pressured, that's top six, uh, another very strong number. And, and, and then a, another thing that I had looked at earlier was um, his third and fourth down completion percentage when he had uh, when there was four yards to go or further. I uh-huh. just stacked him up against the draft class that we're looking at here, so the 2024 draft class. McCarthy's completion percentage in third or fourth and four or longer was 59.2%. That is uh, trailing only Caleb Williams, Drake May, and Jaden Daniels, but I, it, it's close. It's 59.2% for McCarthy, and then, and then Williams leads it at 61.2%. Right. And then if you look at adjusted completion percentage in that same situation, McCarthy stays fourth at 70.2%. Caleb Williams, again, leads the class with 71.9%. So in situations where uh, McCarthy has been asked to throw for his career, he, yeah. He's come up clutch. He's he's converted first downs at a good rate. And then the other thing that really stood out to me um, just over his body of work, which literally spans three seasons, is we saw a steady um, improvement over, um, over, over every year, particularly in the completion percentage department, which – you know, it, it doesn't necessarily have to be the 101 of things that we reference, but a lot of the other numbers were kind of uh, similar in terms of like a dot or yards per attempt. Those numbers kind of stayed around the same, but he steadily improved as, as far as his accuracy is concerned, which I think at least I feel like yeah. when I was texting you back in January, yeah. his accuracy was kind of what made us initially out on him. And now we see a player who over three years improved every time. And then in these more, um, passing down situations, he actually completed passes at a high rate relative to those who he's going to be drafted amongst come April. So while while the volume wasn't there, you're saying that he does, McCarthy does hold up compared to these other top flight quarterbacks. And I think that this points to Jim Harbaugh saying recently that McCarthy will be a first round pick. He said, he said it. Uh, and boy, oh boy, that profile you just painted speaks to a guy who would do well, maybe in the uh, Greg Roman offense. Four picks for Justin Herbert and a J.J. McCarthy on the way. Let's, let's so, as we've seen, winning the national championship will not make you bulletproof as a prospect. People will pick you apart. Um, winning the Heisman Trophy does not make you bulletproof as a prospect. People will pick you apart. Jaden Daniels, who's right now in draft circles, I feel like most most notable for like people making highlight reels of him getting tackled. Um, that's I feel like that's never a good sign. Someone made that joke to me recently. I forget who that it might be a red flag if there are highlight reels of you getting tackled, trucked, trucked, yeah, kids, hit sticked. Yeah, the, the 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 kids are saying trucked, and the, these really are brutal hits. And maybe you can get away with that in college, brother. You're not getting away with that. You're not getting away with that in the NFL. So that's a concern for Jaden Daniels. Another huge concern is that he's heading into his age 24 season. Yeah, uh, so he's older, not as projectable as they say. People overcome this fairly frequently. Joe Burrow, the most famous recent example, uh, was old coming into the league. It was still an instant superstar, Zach. But so Jaden Daniels, he's slight of frame. He's not small, but he's slight for his frame. He's old. He's not working out at the combine. What, if anything, does Jaden, well, not what, what does Jaden Daniels most need to prove this draft season? 
I don't think you necessarily need to prove this, but it would have been kind of fun to see him work out and run like a four four forty yard dash if he had one in him, because there were some rumors that he'd be able to. And we saw Anthony Richardson set the record last year with a four point four three forty yard dash at the combine. So if, if Daniels could have at least threatened for that and kind of at least shown in front of scouts and everyone that he has the speed that he's been billed as having for the last five seasons, I think that would have been fun. Um, again, he's not working out the combine now, so we're not going to get to see it this week. But uh, arm strength has been the other concern that I that I've seen uh, written about him, and, and you know, obviously, then it pops up when you're when you're just watching the film on him. Uh, but but one of the things that I, I've read a few times over is whether or not he can make the throws that are required of an NFL quarterback while maintaining the velocity that he needs to get them there in a timely manner. So you know, important things don't or you know things don't happen like a defensive back pick it off and run it back for a touchdown. That, that would obviously be bad. So um, over the over the next couple of weeks now, and with LSU's pro day coming up. I think it's March 27th. Mm-hmm. I, I believe it is. So, so you know, we got about a month to go until then. But uh, at his party, I think he's going to want to show the velocity on the throw. I think he's going to want to have to show that he can make the NFL caliber throws. I hope that he at least runs a 40 there just so we can see that the uh, speed is as legitimate as it looks on tape. But then another thing that, uh, you know, I kind of come back to again, and, and we're just going to talk about pressure to sack rate until I guess we're blue in the face. But yeah, I uh, <laughs> yes, but 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 then he uh, he tweeted he xed. I'm not sure what he wants to say there. He he, <laughs> he tweeted, the other he tweeted. He, yeah he tweeted the other day on social media that one thing he can't get past is uh, J- Jaden Daniels pressure sack rate, uh, which for his career is 24.5. percent That's a legitimate red flag. That's really it lower, high. It, it's really high. I got some I got some names for you that that uh, yeah you're gonna throw up when you hear it. But um, okay. he, he he did lower that to 20.2 percent. This this past season, there I had heard some uh, things again on another podcast I listened to recently that supposedly LSU was running him through um, pass rush simulations, and they were gradually speeding him up over time just to see how he responded to uh, the rushes that he saw, the situations, if he was hitting the right reads on time. And there there was supposedly um, some of that being done throughout the course of the year, which many have attributed to being why he was able to improve his pressure to sack rate to 20.2% this past season, which is still high. But again, 24.5% for his career over five seasons. Um, I have 116 quarterbacks I looked at in that little uh, sack database I, I got here. You stop me when you hear a good name that's an NFL stud. These are guys who had a lower um, rate, that, or I guess a higher rate than he did. So these are the guys. Uh, Brett Hundley, Hendon Hooker. Tanner McKee, Sam mm-hmm. Howe, Malik Willis, and Will Levis. Those are the only I, players. I've never, never heard of any of those guys. Yeah, we've never, never heard, heard of them. This. They're the only ones with the pressure to sack rate that is higher than what uh, Jaden Daniels had for his yeah. career. That, that That's a red flag. Um, he, he's a guy I'm drafting in best ball drafts. I'm hoping that some of this kind of comes out in the wash, that he goes to a, a, a good team that utilizes his strengths in, in a way that he can, you know, get, get a lot of rushing yards, hopefully find some guys downfield. Uh, I guess he won't be throwing to Terry McLaurin because then he made it sound like uh, it'd be bad if he went there for all Washington parties yeah. involved. But um, yeah. I, I am drafting him, hoping it comes out. But there, but there is a concern there, and I, I guess that's something that, again, will have to just kind of be figured out um, you know, and speaking with coaches, figuring out, you know, what, what's with the sack issue that you've essentially displayed throughout the course of your career, despite having a Heisman caliber season in 2023. So, Denny, where are you at on Jaden Daniels? It seems like yeah. someone it seems like someone you would normally be in on. I mean, no, 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 no. Now, it's hard to separate this conversation between real and fantasy. Now, mm-hmm. for fantasy, I think Jaden Daniels would be extremely fun. He's going to be a mega bust for me. We already know that. Just moving on. But what about uh, fantasy? 
<laughs> so I'm sorry, but uh, yeah. Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> so I was like, I okay, well, I'm yeah, sorry. Like, that, that was a Captain joke. Mesmer. Hoping yeah, that was I'm, a joke. Look, I, I, I do think that the fact that he was sacked constantly when under pressure, I think that's bad. I think that that means that he, you know, might have trouble, like you know, reading defenses, like adjusting to the next level. Um, this is these are issues you don't worry about. I think with Caleb Williams at all, really. We, it, maybe you worry a little bit with uh, uh, who was it, uh, McCarthy, a little bit, but but yeah, but Jaden Daniels to me. Seems like a guy, if he's drafted to a team that will start him right away, he in, individually and alone could be really good for fantasy. He could um, just be really good in the NFL too, but he's just the classic. It's the, he alternates huge plays with huge sacks. And it's not, you're not, we're, we're focusing so much on sack rate for guys now, which is very good. It's a very telling statistic. It's not a death knell. Like Joe Burrow took a million sacks. He did. A lot of elite seasons. It can be done. He did. It's just a very, very and, high variance, uh, very risky style of play. And, and, and I'm glad you mentioned Burrow, Pat, because uh, every time someone mentions Jaden Daniels' advanced age, people say, oh, oh, what, will you hate Joe Burrow? Joe, Bo- Joe Burrow is bad? Yes, Joe Burrow is the one old quarterback who came <laughs> into the league old and was, and was good. Congratulations on finding the diamond in, in the rough, you know? He really so, so, so not, and, and not everybody who, I mean, there's so many complete catastrophes who come into the league at this age and are not good. I think Jaden Daniels is most, most likely going to be one of those, not, not Joe Burrow. I will say it's usually pocket guys for some reason who come into the league late, maybe because they took more time to develop. Yeah. Um, the fact that we're getting like a pretty good athlete, actually, hopefully maybe augurs better for Jaden Daniels, but there's a lot of red flags. But I, I will say just real quick, Lamar Jackson's career pressure sack rate, Louisville 20.4%, which is very much on the high side um, for, for what we want to see. But again, also a speedy quarterback, which obviously we expect that out of Jaden Daniels, even, even funny enough to you, you talk about the guys who are undersized. Lamar Jackson was by all accounts undersized and had a small frame. And actually I think began bulking up after, I think it was his 2019 season when he won MVP. He kind of started to, to be more conscious about bulking up and trying to add good weight to better take some of the brunt of an NFL game. But again, I think the one thing that separates Lamar Jackson is you don't have a highlight reel of him getting destroyed by defenders for five seasons. You have a highlight reel of him like stopping on a dime and guys blowing past him. So if, if Jaden Daniels can't show that kind of elusiveness that Lamar has, which I've only ever seen it in Lamar really, so I'm, I'm not expecting him to really show that, then, then – uh, between the size concerns and then even the sack concerns, I, th- I think they're you know they're, there's a legitimate concern for a problem there. It's, it's right. it, Jaden Daniels is like almost a shot for shot remake of Joe Burrow, where he's old, <laughs> he took a lot of sacks, and he was a one year wonder at LSU. Like and it won the is, Heisman. It's, it's pretty bizarre, actually. He's yeah. like the mirror the mirror mode version of Joe Burrow, and that he's actually a dual threat, not that Joe Burrow is a poor runner. Um, Joe Burrow also <laughs> does some stuff with his legs, but uh. Zach, maybe more on the quicker side with Bo Nix. We're running low on time. Mm-hmm. Uh, what can the young man – talk about a guy with a long college career. Wow. Bo Nix – I mean, I'm, my dad told me about watching <laughs> Bo Nix play and yeah. how it was this the most beautiful thing he'd ever seen. That was back when Bo Nix was at Nebraska in the 70s. Right. Uh, so he plays a totally different style now. Uh, how can Bo Nix prove he's not a check down and screen merchant? Mm-hmm. That's all I see the draft people say about Bo Nix. Uh, check down the screen merchant. Well, there's a legitimate argument to be had there. Uh, his last two seasons at Oregon 
29.4% of pass attempts were screen passes. Um, and, and we've already kind of directly correlated that to a, a massive jump in, in accuracy com- when comparing his three seasons at Auburn, where he was a 61.2% passer, compared to Oregon these past two years, where he was a 74.7% passer. And then uh, our own Eric Furton was at the Senior Bowl, and and he kind of said, you know, at, at, a, chan- at, a, at a moment where Bo Nix had a chance to shine and kind of show what he could do. And, and I, in my opinion, that would be where you kind of kick those rumors to the curb. You, you air it out and just, I mean, if anything, hope for the best. But but Furtom was left unimpressed with Bo Nix's efforts, saying that he often opted to check down um, or, or go with the short games rather than air it out the, at the Senior Bowl. So um, I, to me, that's already one missed opportunity to kind of start to kick that narrative away. Um, obviously, the, the career screen passes in two seasons at Oregon – is concerning. And then the, I, I was going through Lance Airlines uh, prospect profiles on NFL.com. And there was a quote from an NSC area scout at the end of it that I just thought was kind of interested and tied all of it together. But it said he's so much more confident than he was when he came in. The only thing to worry about a little bit is how he will respond when he's outside the comfort of that Oregon offense. Does he play with the same confidence? And that Oregon offense has really just kind of been what people have pointed to whenever they ask about his his improvement as a passer. So now he's going to get to the combine. He's going to obviously have a chance to show his athleticism. He's expected to test fairly well there. But but I think the throwing drills are going to be uh, – crucial for for Bo Nix. He, he, he's not going to have an opportunity to, to check it down in the way that he would at a senior bowl when running through seven on sevens or drills or whatever. They're, they're going to be guys running downfield. He's going to have to find them. So um, if, if he at least wants to show his accuracy, uh, you know, on deep ball attempts, even even in his shorts, this is going to be, you know, a, a moment to kind of put some of the senior bowl stuff behind him where he didn't do what people expected him to do. Yeah. So he's a system guy. Bo Nix is a system yeah. guy. Uh, I recall this play uh, in the in the Oregon Bowl game against I think they were playing Liberty, where the entire offensive line got in front of of a of a screen of a screen to a running back, and uh, they all all as a team ran down the field together and into the end zone, and yes. that 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 counted for a forty uh, five yard touchdown for. Bowling. And yet you like Jake Browning, right? Literally right. all he did, Denny. Literally all he did. He I, did I do like Jake Browning. Jake Browning would be an upgrade for at least five teams in the league. Um, Why is it okay for Jake Browning to only throw screens but not Bo Nix? No, I'm not. I'm, I'm not saying it's not okay. I'm not saying it's not okay. I'm saying that Bo Nix, in the right situation, I in a good system, okay, he he can he can work. He can make an offense work. Now, at the risk of just infuriating Dolphins fans. <laughs> oh, here we go. I just want to say that Tua is a guy who on another in another system wouldn't be wouldn't even be mediocre, okay? And and I'm writing a piece on that and I'm sorry if that's going to upset folks. But but it, it, Bo Nix, you put him in a place where he said, "Well, you got to you got to sl- sling it downfield, son." That's not going to work, okay? <laughs> but it, but if it's a lot of safe throws, if it's a lot of managing, if it's maybe getting him outside the pocket using his athleticism, I think I think that can work a lot of his metrics Say say exactly that. So I'm not discounting him, even though he's 44 years old. I'm not discounting him. Okay, uh, Joe Burrow was 44 when he entered the league. Joe Burrow currently <laughs> 62. So, <laughs> Bo, uh, Bo Nix to put a bow on it, Zach. Sounds like maybe the rare guy where his throws in the combine might actually matter. Um, where it just yeah. for no other reason, just to like shake loose the narratives in people's heads. Like even the most analytically driven NFL talent evaluators can get locked into a narrative. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, the young man has got to show us something to combine quickly, Zach. 
what does the young man Blake Corum need to show us to combine? Like every Michigan prospect is like super controversial for some reason. I know. <laughs> uh, yeah. What does Blake Corum, the running back, national champion running back from Michigan, need to show? Yeah, so so the college resume is there over four seasons, 3,700 rush yards, um, 61 total touchdowns from scrimmage, 58 of those on the ground. Uh, Blake Corm has kind of shown a steady decline in performance just over the uh, particularly last three years when he's actually a starter, 6.6 yards per carry in 2021, 5.9 yards per carry in 2022, 4.8 yards per carry in 2023. That's not the end-all be-all for me, but it is a little bit concerning just because we know that the really good college running backs tend to have uh, rather high yards per carry, and Blake Corm just doesn't really kind of you know hit that mark as far as that's concerned. The one that's a little bit more concerning to me is his overall missed tackle force rate for his career, which is uh, just north of 22%. That's not overly impressive. But then his breakaway rush attempts, his breakaway yards, and um, his his yards after contact took a significant hit in 2023. And I, I think we can probably attribute that to a season-ending meniscus injury at the end of the 2022 year. I think he was probably going to come out and go pro if not for that injury personally. Um, but But after that injury... We saw a career 3.04 yards after contact per attempt go to just 2.42 this final season. He had 13 breakaway runs, which for those wondering, that's a run of 15-plus yards per PFF. He had 13 breakaway runs last season on 258 carries. And last season, in 2022, he had 248 carries, so 10 fewer carries, but 22 breakaway runs, nine more breakaway runs. So uh, the breakaway speed and the big playability that we saw from year over year, 2022 to 2023, definitely took a hit. Some of that is, you know, going to obviously be attributed to this knee injury. The question now is going to be whether or not he he tests as any kind of an explosive athlete um, that can intrigue NFL um scouts and GMs enough to want to take a shot on him. It's not going to be the RB1 of this class, but there, there are some rooms that could go as high as the RB3. Um, another thing I think he can show in the combine as well is is um, a little bit more in the passing game. He he did catch passes at Michigan. He, was, he wasn't this like heavily relied on receiver, but um, 16 receptions in 2023, only 10 in 2022, and 24 in 2021. Now, what's nice with Blake Corum is he grades out fairly well as a pass blocker. So if, if we're going to see... Um, you know, have him show off good hands at the combine. I think that any team that's maybe interested in marrying that pass blocking ability he can offer on third downs to also a pass catching upside, I think that'll be interesting. And then obviously for uh, fantasy, uh, you know, fantasy goes and uh, PPR leagues in particular, we're going to like to see that. So um, I'll be watching his pass catching as well just to see how he does on the limited uh, targets that have thrown his way in the workouts. So Blake Corum sounds like the classic college running back who needs to prove he didn't had get his legs used up in college, which is... I, I, I think perhaps, yes. A fate that befalls too many running backs. It's very sad. Most elite athletes in the entire country get funneled into the running back position, and sometimes their college coaches give them 900 touches in three or four years. You know so, uh, you know where Blake Corum could do well, folks? Uh, the Chargers offense. Yeah. All right, let's uh, wrap yeah. up the show here. And, we should uh, wrap up the show here. You should uh, leave this podcast and go check out Zach's quarterbacks and tight ends to watch article is running backs and receivers to watch at the combine article. Really, really good stuff. This, the combine gets rolling. Then you should come back on Thursday to listen to Denny, Kyle and I will be joined by Mr. Eric Froton, who's in Indianapolis, Indiana at the combine boots on the ground. So look forward to that. Um, so thank you so much for listening uh, to Denny, to Zach, to myself. So uh, I'm Pat. We'll be back later this week. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, 
both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.